0: Welcome to Any Way You Want It. I'm your host, Kaylin McDuff. I'm an LA-based coach for women who want to create lives based on desire. Here on the show, we like to have real conversations about sex, relationships, and life. Through talks with everyday people, experts, friends, and everything in between, I give you a plethora of options different relationship models, new mindsets, perspectives, and paradigms. Listen for what sounds interesting to you and follow that. This is just the beginning of you having a life designed entirely from the specificity of your desire. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Any Way You Want It. Um, I am just completely delighted and tickled and turned on <laughs> to welcome um Dr. Carolyn Elliott um today to the show. Thank you so much for being here, Carolyn.
1: Oh, thank you, Kaylin, for
0: having me. It is absolutely my pleasure. All all the parts of me are really getting off on this. <laughs> So um, just to let you all, my listeners in on who Carolyn is, um, she is the author of a profound book called Existential Kink. And the book is a handbook of life altering magic. and, um, And it's a cult favorite creativity book. Oh, I'm so sorry. She's also the author of Awaken Your Genius a cult favorite creativity book. Um, So she has a seven-figure online business where she specializes in helping people achieve dramatic positive change in their lives through shadow integration practices and applied occult philosophy. Uh, So what I want to say about you, Carolyn, is... This is really the first time we're having a personal one-on-one conversation, and your work has um, had a deep, deep impact on my life. Mm. (laughs) And uh, and so it's just um, it's it's sort of surreal to be here. I uh, I want to share the story of the desire and of having you here, and how that Mm. unfolded, because I actually think it's like. Such a beautiful um, example of your work. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> lay it on us. So um I so some of my listeners know I it's it's been like six months that I've sort of been sitting in this desire of like, I'd love to have Carolyn Elliott on my podcast. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I'm present to now is that um there were many avenues where that I could have got had like a direct line to you. You know, I actually know your assistant. Um, you know, we have lots of people in common. Hmm. And so there's a way where I, you know, 6 months ago I could have just said, "Oh, yeah, I'm just going to go direct route." But the thing is is that I have really learned through through your work and through, you know, other work that I've done that I love yearning, I love suffering, I love not knowing. I love holding the weight of my desire. And so I just sort of held on to this desire until it felt ripe and then we were on a call with one of my teachers, Lauren Harkness, Mm -hmm. and I had a chance to interact with you. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, It was a few months ago. and, And that's when I said, oh, I have a desire for you to be on the podcast. And then, you know, I DM'd you and on Instagram and, you know, sort of all of these things happened. Right. But each step of the way I had to yearn and I had to be like, not just like okay with a no, but truly turned on. I got so turned on about the idea of you rejecting me. and then when you said yes I was like oh oh my gosh because I also got turned on about about a yes but I was like equally turned on about a yes or a no and you know I made you a real one of my most popular reels out there on the internet excellent I was like Carolyn stop quit playing games with my heart And, um, and I, you know, I really got to just experience the full weight of my desire. So thank you for just being the clearing for all of that.
1: Mm. Thank (laughs) you, Kaylin. Thank you for having the the courage to just jump into it, like that kind of vulnerable, open desire of like turned on by yes, turned on by no, putting myself out here with a real like that is so hot. That that's how I know that you're the kind of person that I want to talk to. It's, it's true that these days when I sense that people are asking me for something and they'll be devastated if I say no, I'm like,
0: I yeah. <laughs> don't think you can handle this, baby. I don't think Right. yeah, Yeah, totally. It's, I learned so much through that, um, just through that whole process. And I'm just so glad that I didn't just like take a direct route, you know, it's so much juicier. And I was like, you know, 30 minutes ago, I was sort of meditating and feeling into the energy of this. And like my body started shaking. And I felt, I just felt the whole energy, right. Of my desire. So, yeah. And now here we are. And now here we are. So, oh my gosh, so many things um, that, that I want to get into today. Uh, But first and foremost, let's just set some groundwork uh, for my listeners who haven't heard of existential kink
1: would love to just hear it straight from you. Sure. So existential kink is a meditative practice and it's also sort of a life attitude and philosophy, which carries with it the idea that kind of, um, it's like the universe is a lover who's always making love to us in various ways. Reality itself is always um, you know, presenting us with situations, experiences, relationships. And we can either really, really, really get off on and have pleasure in this perpetual lovemaking that's happening. Or we can be like, no, no, ugh, uh-uh, <laughs> not good enough, no and sort of turn (laughs) ourselves off and experience it as violation. Um, And, you know, those are sort of like the only two choices because the universe is a dom with no safe words. You know, you can say banana, banana all day long, and nothing's gonna, (laughs) (laughs) it all just keeps coming. Um, And so existential kink is really about um, as a meditative practice we tune in to situations that we ostensibly don't like in our lives, and we allow the sensations associated with them to arise. And we practice experimenting with seeing if we can allow ourselves to make conscious some previously unconscious pleasure that we might be taking in the situation Uh, with sort of the idea that we humans universally have this thing where we unconsciously experience pleasure in and get attracted to and recreate again and again, situations that give us, uh, rather unpleasant things like rejection, um, scarcity, humiliation, um, frustration, all of these things that our conscious mind, our conscious ego is like, no, I hate that. That's terrible. There's something in us, you call it our shadow, our unconscious, that is like, oh my God, oh yes, yes, more, <laughs> more. <laughs> and it's like, as long as we keep that part of ourselves unconscious, as long as we deny it, disown it, repress it, it keeps operating at full strength and it keeps got taking us over and guiding our lives um, because what is unconscious um, has great power, has great creative power. Um, when we make that pleasure fully conscious, there's something amazing that happens, which is a marriage between our conscious minds and our unconscious minds. So um, it's known as the alchemical marriage. It's known as um, knowledge and conversation of the holy guardian angel. It's known as the great work, making the unconscious conscious, joining the projective and receptive parts of ourselves. When we do this, um, when we manage to get off on a previously unconscious pleasure and make it conscious, this union happens. And there's this amazing thing that occurs where the unconscious actually gets fertilized with the preferences of our conscious mind. And then what starts happening is, you know, weeks or months later, we start experiencing synchronous happenings that match our conscious desires, you know? So Whoa wait, you just
0: said something (laughs) so powerful. The, when, um, the let's have you say it again, when the unconscious gets fertilized with our conscious desires. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Sorry. Continue. But I just like have to highlight that.
1: Yeah. That's what happens in the alchemical marriage. So this, um, this union, um, happens when we get off an existential kink when we basically what it is it's it's like I like to describe it as in chivalrous terms like we can imagine that our ego, our conscious mind, is like a knight, and the knight has these ideals, the knight's like I want tons of health and happiness and love and money, and I want to be respected and I want to save the world <laughs> right and that's what the knight is saying um but the the lady um is the unconscious and the lady is the fertile part of us and the lady is doing whatever she's doing she's creating our world as it presently exists mm. and our world as it presently exists does not match the ideals of the ego of the knight right where you can constantly look at things and be like oh that's terrible ooh that is horrible no oh, i don't like that but it's like what needs to happen in order for the marriage to happen is the knight needs to humble himself to the lady and everything she's already birthing and everything she's already creating and say to her, Oh my gosh, you are beautiful. You are perfect. I adore you. I honor you exactly as you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are so my gosh. And just enjoy her and celebrate her so, so much and all her creations. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, when that deep, deep humbling happens, um, Mm -hmm. there's a union And the lady becomes receptive to the night and the lady becomes fertilized by the night. And pretty soon what starts happening is there's, um, we start noticing in our lives, there's all of these events that actually match our conscious preferences and our conscious desires that previously, um, Seemed so far out of reach and seemed impossible almost. We're like constantly frustrated. It's like when we surrender to, when we praise, when we adore that frustration, that scarcity, that um rejection, and we just love the ever-living fuck out of it. That's when the transmutation happens, and that's when the miracle happens, and that's when um the creative part of us becomes receptive to these conscious preferences.
0: Yeah, the fertilization. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've never I've never um heard you use that specific word and you probably have. I just haven't heard it and it's just so clicking for me right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like our unconscious is like a womb and she's constantly giving birth and um the things that usually so um Often, when we have not done any of this work, um our unconscious is constantly giving birth to things that um, arise from seeds planted through childhood trauma, through societal conditioning, through um, you know uh, basically just repetitions of difficult things in the past that have made a big impact on us. We just will we'll keep repeating those. And some people are super lucky. Some people don't have a lot of that stuff and they're unconscious. And so they can just whoosh, have an easy time creating beautiful lives. Other people are really messed up like me. <laughs>
0: Do you actually think that's true?
1: That um, some people don't just don't have the depth of that. I think I think there's I think there's big, big variations. Um, and I don't know why. Maybe karma. Who knows? It's a big cosmic mystery. But it's like I do think some people come into this world and they don't have in this particular lifetime as big of. Um, uh an attraction. How do I say? Yeah. They, they just have less, less stuff to work through. They're sort of like more clear <sighs> and easy. That
0: is super interesting because I, I guess the way I've sort of seen it is that they just have unconscious stuff that they haven't been willing to go to the depths to see.
1: Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing is that whether or not we like, so for example, like me, I had a big scarcity kink that came from all sorts of stuff. I still do. I still have dimensions of it. Yeah. Um, And so there was a part like I kept recreating these scenarios in my life where I basically was living in poverty and it was had to do with my childhood stuff and it had to do with all of that. There's definitely lots of people who don't have that particular thing. We call them rich people. (laughs)
0: um some of those rich people might have had it and then really went deep and did the
1: work and now you know now they don't right exactly and also plenty of rich people have all sorts of other funky <laughs> stuff going on right, right? but maybe just yeah. not that particular one so i do think uh-huh. that we all sort of have different ones and of course um I mean, scarcity is a big, popular one on planet Earth. Uh, very, <laughs> very trendy, very hot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a whole range of them. And of course, what's also interesting is, no matter, even if I come into this life and I have no big hang-ups and I'm having easy time just whoosh, creating beauty and bounty all around me, without really having to do much inner alchemy on myself. Yeah. Of course, I'm still living in Malkuth, Samsara, Midgard, like this realm of duality. And I'm still part of all of the collective creations that are so difficult, you know, all of the war and the sexism and the racism and all the exploitation and the environment. I mean, right. all of us are connected to that, you know, collective, um, collective mm-hmm. stuff that needs to evolve and be worked through. Mm-hmm. So there's still plenty to do. So even though if- <laughs> there's still, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious,
0: um, how, like, how does it go for you when you're in a, let's call it, I hate to say, but like a normal environment in the world and you're explaining this to people, how does it go for you? I, I, my personal experience is some people are just like, nope, like I'm not even going to be open to this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I sort of with those people, I have this experience of like, If you only knew, (laughs) if you only knew, oh, honey, like I just want you to get free, (laughs) you know, but, but I'm curious how it is for you. You must be in environments sometimes where people think you're a total freak. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe I'm a bit of a scaredy cat because I think I've done a good job of sort of insulating myself from that. Uh-huh, in that uh-huh. You know, most of the time when I'm speaking at public events or even at gatherings, it's with people who have read my book. Like, right, yeah, I, um, I used I mean, I definitely I used to go out into parties and into the world where there would be people who had never heard of me and never read anything. And then I'd be trying to do what you're <laughs> talking about. And then I just got to be like, oh boy, this is, hmm, no, I don't even want to socialize with anybody who hasn't read my book, not because they're not yeah. wonderful human beings, but just because they won't be able to benefit from me. And I'm, I mean, it's not, so that sounds terrible. I'm not saying I will never, ever socialize with somebody who right. hasn't read my book, but it is a very specific life philosophy. And in order for me to be able to help someone, they yeah. sort of need to be on board or else, you know, I'm not going to like, so, but basically. Uh, but I've, then again, on the other hand, I have had experiences of just meeting somebody somewhere and they get to talking to me and asking me about what I do. And I'll tell them and I can explain it pretty easily. I have a few ways of making it accessible if you'd like to hear, <laughs> hear them. So one thing I like to talk about is how um, the most popular TV shows in the world are always, always, always have some terrifying element in them just mm-hmm. like really intense like the most popular tv show of all time was game of thrones which is brutal there's rapes there's murders there's wars there's zombies there's all sorts of terrifying things going on people love <laughs> love 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 right and it's like it's not too hard for most people to understand that it's like we don't just love that in fiction like mm-hmm. there's a part of us our soul who loves it just just loves it period everywhere Mm -hmm. and and um so I also mention you know like when we're little kids and we have a loose tooth at least when I was like six years old and my front tooth was loose it hurt so much to poke it with my tongue it really hurt (laughs) but it felt so good (laughs) Kept doing it relentlessly. Right. And there was a certain pleasure in that pain. Oh and I think, yeah. Popping a zit that's just ripe. The oh, best. who doesn't <laughs> love that? Exactly. So I think, you know, there's yeah. simple things that people can understand. And also it's like, I think that everybody has had a friend where you talk to the friend and you're on the phone with them and they're telling you about how terrible their boss was to them today and their boyfriend was such a jerk. And this person said this thing. Can you even believe it? And they're like how horrible it is. And you get off the phone with them and you're like, I think they're kind of enjoying that though. It sounds like they're having (sighs) fun. They're really excited about all of it. And you know, like the drama loving friend. Right. And it's just a matter of realizing like we are all the drama loving friend. Like, It's not a unique thing. It's a universal human thing. If we didn't all love it, we wouldn't all create it all the time. And another thing is, I mean, there's levels to it, but it's like, I mean, it is. So I I speak of it in these general terms, because if you start speaking to people about it directly in their own lives, that's when you'll get the most resistance for sure. And that's why Freud and Jung and everybody in psychoanalysis That's why they developed this whole dream analysis thing. We'll spend 10 years talking about your dreams until you realize that your own dreams are telling you that you get off on this shit. Because if I just try (laughs) to tell it to you to your face, you'll be like, no, how dare you? That's disgusting. And then you won't pay me anymore and I won't have any clients as a psychoanalyst. (laughs) So, Because they all knew, you know, Freud and Jung and Adler and Lacan, they all like talked about this. And they this is right. the bedrock of uh, how you get somebody to heal. He- to heal is to make whole. In order to become whole, we have to embrace all that we are, including our forbidden taboo desires, our forbidden taboo desires to, you know, fuck and murder our parents to um experience humiliation to experience you know all these things Uh, we've all been conditioned to believe that some desires are so terrible that we can't even allow them to arise and be felt and right but the thing is is the exact opposite is true like um obviously we don't need to act everything out we shouldn't act out <laughs> murdering and fucking our parents but just a, but just recognizing that we are each of us humans is a little microcosm of the whole universe and every terrible and wonderful act and desire that could ever exist exists within us and the more we are willing to simply be aware of that and be aware of that whole cosmic dance within us the more actual conscious choice we have over um, how we behave and what part of that cosmic dance we express in our own little artistry of life. But when we are not willing to feel it, not willing to enjoy this whole vast tapestry that exists within us, then um, we reject these part of ourselves. Uh, we, we kind of cut them off from our conscious wholeness. And then we become sick in some way our lives reflect some disharmony our um you know we might feel depressed or anxious all of these things come from rejecting dimensions of the total tapestry of reality of which we are all reflections
0: yeah absolutely i mean for me the biggest um shift in doing this work has just been yeah around suffering <laughs> I spent years sort of in the, you know, doing light work as a coach, like, oh, I really got to stop suffering. Okay. Let me see if I can sort of shift my view on this. Let me just, and it was just, wow, there was no moving past that. And then once I just started getting off on my suffering, oh my gosh, the drama of it, It's unbelievable. And it's not, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with it. I, I think it's just always going to be in my life, you know, and it just doesn't have the same power because I'm like, I just love it. You know, I don't, but uh, I, I think I've just sort of gotten rid of the idea that I'm ever going to move past it, (laughs) but I'm curious to
1: see what happens. Yeah, totally. I think that there's, um, there's all these different, um, places to be with it, but definitely the, um, the embracing and the celebration of it seems to be the path that leads to any kind of transmutation and evolution. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I definitely still party down with plenty of suffering in my own (laughs) life. Um, but something that I'm paying attention to lately and reflecting a lot on lately, well, two things. I'll, I'll just share my favorite quotes, maybe. <laughs> oh, to, just, I'm here for it, Carolyn. Yeah, so just, um, you know, so part of this work is built on something that Carl Jung said, um, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. So whatever, you know, what's our fate? Well, it's exactly what's happening to us or what has happened to us. It's the whole spectrum of things. Um, and it's all created by, Our unconscious desires. Next thing he also said um, enlightenment does not come from imagining figures of light, but from making the darkness conscious. Ooh, enlightenment does not come from, say it again, from imagining figures of light, (sighs) but from making the darkness conscious. I could just bathe in that all day. Mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. And uh, Jung, of course, was a great hermeticist. Uh, A lot of people don't know this about him because he was also a great scientist and he posed all of his stuff in scientific language. But he was um, very involved in alchemy, hermeticism, um, this sort of ancient study that comes out of Alexandria. Well, it was synthesized in Alexandria in the years surrounding the birth and death of Christ. And it It's like, you know, tarot and astrology and um, ceremonial magic and Kabbalah. And it's basically the Western version of Tantra. And um, people hear Tantra and they think it's sexy, sexy. And yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Sexy, (laughs) sexy. And also what Tantra also is, is um, coming into greater and greater realization of just what we were just talking about, the totality, the tapestry, the way that Every so you know, the art of alchemy, the art of individuation, as Jung talked about it, all has to do with um, reconciling polarities. Mm -hmm. So, mm, ordinarily, we walk around being like, I want good stuff and not bad stuff. (laughs) I want, (laughs) you know, and um, and we have these you know, hierarchies of like, oh, lots of money, good, no money bad. Man. <laughs> you know, let's, and we do do this, like valuing, we value one side of an experience and we devalue another side of an experience. So like baby being born. Awesome. Somebody dying. Oh, bad. And we, we do mm-hmm. do this constantly. And so the whole art of becoming whole of becoming like really sane and really tapped into our larger identity as the divine is coming to see things from this divine perspective where actually Everything is equally valuable, equally worthy of celebration and love and honor, death and birth, you know, poverty oh, and wealth. This is
0: this is, I think, one of the hardest things for people to really accept. Oh, yeah. It's called the oh,
1: work. It's not the biggie. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: yeah. I um wow. Yeah, I really. I'm really seeing that. I I forget if I said it at the beginning. Um, so for my listeners, for context, I am in um, Carolyn's wealth community, uh, where we you know study study magic and alchemy and all of these concepts. And uh, this this piece of the conversation reminds me of the death meditation mm-hmm. that we did. I think it was last November, mm-hmm. and um, that was so transformative for me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to, again, to give, to give my listeners a little context, it's um, the, the death meditation was an experience of, of just embodying what it would be like to be right at the doors of death and to experience the sensation there and to get curious about it and see what comes up. And I just, I mean, I went to another planet. It was like, I really saw myself and, um, and it's, gosh, it's so powerful. And, uh, yeah. So anyways, just wanted to share that.
1: Thank you. I love that. I love that you're doing the, love that you're doing the great work. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, our culture is, well, one of the most delusional cultures to ever exist because we have this thing where, I mean, for example, in the United States, you know, um, death is so invisible. Like people are whisked away immediately to funeral homes and they're embalmed. And mm-hmm. um, we don't, you know, we don't talk about it. We hide the old people away in, um, you know, yeah. homes and we, we're always like youth, 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 health, 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 anything else. <laughs> and, and, and there's just this terrible, you know, secular materialism dominates with this idea of, um, well, you die and then psh, it's over. Everything's over. Nothing else happens. You're <laughs> just dead. You just go to sleep forever. You cease to exist over. Yeah. And um and so we have this amazingly high fear of death, which is also allows us to be. Um, super manipulated and super controlled. So something that I sometimes reflect upon brief aside is how the cultures on earth that were the most flourishing, the most free were cultures that were like super unafraid of death, like super, like, bring it on. I will die (laughs) right now. Come on, let's go. Like, let's go. You can't subdue a, a group like that. You cannot like make them slaves. You cannot, you know, do anything because they will they will come at you. They're
0: <laughs> and just
1: so free. They're utterly free. And that's what freedom that's what in order to have temporal freedom, um, you know, one has to or a group has to have that total willingness and embrace of death, because otherwise you can very easily be enslaved, like being afraid of death. Um, and pain and torture that's how you get enslaved mm-hmm. so it's um and of course most all of us are very afraid of yeah. those things now and most all of us are living mm-hmm. in a super authoritarian government okay anyways this is brief. Aside. okay anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole
0: other uh rabbit hole yeah uh, it is so yeah just, no just,
1: you just <laughs> i just thought of that stuff but um to circle back around i've also yeah. been thinking lately about um, a book you might really like, Kaylin, that I really like, um, another great genius hermeticist of the modern era is a guy named John Martini, and he's still mm. alive. He does workshops. He's vital and kicking. Um, OK, genius. vital and kicking. Great he's a genius. And um, he he talks about how. People think that something like we all go around thinking something is missing in my life, right? Like whether it's like maybe I'm single and I think like, oh, there's no romance in my life. I don't have a partner. I don't have sex or whatever. And the trick is of total transformation. The trick is realizing that exactly what you think is missing is already exactly present in your experience to the same degree, to the same quantity, to the same everything that you think it's not. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. And to me, and and it's hard for people to understand. I feel like like my mind feels fucked up by this. (laughs) Right. And I think and so John Martini, he just sort of like says this and he doesn't like explain that much more about it. And I think a lot of people read that and they don't get it because they're like, what do you mean? I'm single. Nobody. I'm not having sex with anybody. There's like it's COVID. I can't even go out on dates like um, I'm, you know, I feel lonely. This, you know, the huge romantic fulfillment is not already present. OK. Uh, hello. And But for me, I really understand. I feel like I really understand what he's saying, because for me, what he's saying is that that huge romantic sexual fulfillment, even if on the surface of apparent reality, it seems like I'm lonely and I'm just in my apartment with my cat and I'm bored, (laughs) all of this. Like, actually, what's happening is my unconscious is having such a deep, full like that, that apparent reality could only be my apparent reality with my unconscious having an utter, total sexual, romantic, emotional fulfillment with exactly that reality. Whoa.
0: So it's like you're having that on an some in some way on an unconscious level, that need is at and desire is actually getting met somehow in your unconscious. And so in your conscious it's like oh we don't even need that we we
1: already we already have that going on well yeah well so a way that i like to imagine it is like so reality is my super amazing super super hot lover and uh <laughs> he is willing to give me like He's just totally down with like whatever my weird freaky desires are and my weird freaky desires, since like, I'm also all of reality and this like omnipotent being anyways, long story um, is like, sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, baby, you know, what would be so hot. If I was just stuck in an apartment, like during a global pandemic and just like so bored and hanging out with my cat feeling really, really sorry for myself. Oh Oh. my God. God. (laughs) If only Uh. I could be in this. (laughs) If (laughs) only. Just nailed in this bondage scenario of like total. Oh God. And he's like, oh my, that's so hot. You got it. And just like there, then there I am. I seem to be this finite mortal being in this dull situation. That is my exquisite, exquisite bondage. And uh, what's really funny is I've noticed when I am willing to recognize that and I'm willing to accept the gift of my exquisite lover reality and like stop pretending that it's not being given to me as this like weird, amazing, super hot, freaky sex thing. Um, then I let myself feel that emotional and sexual fulfillment. And of course, when you are feeling a giant degree of emotional and sexual fulfillment that, you know, people like people can feel that from miles away. They'll come knocking on mm-hmm. your door. <laughs> like suddenly your upstairs neighbor wants to hang out with you all the time because you can just like feel the like whoosh, whoosh, like you're like warping space and time with your level of um turn on. And it's magnetic. And suddenly your whole experience of existence starts to change because you have dropped in to the place where you are already magnificently fucked by the universe.
0: Oh, yes. And that turn on comes from just total approval, which I think is where most people get stopped. They're like, how could I possibly? But just try
1: it on, people. Well, yeah, just try it on. And something that really helps me is like, all right. So I did the work of Byron Katie a whole lot and I highly recommend. And Byron Katie talks about, God is reality. Reality is God. What else could God be but the totality of what is in existence? Like, mm-hmm. you know, omniscient, omnipresent. So people, we carry around this idea though, that God is something other than what's already happening, which is if you think about it like really super diluted. And like, anyways, but, yeah. <laughs> but so if I'm if I'm entering this idea of like, okay, well, God is reality. Um, the obviously God is really at peace with the whole um, dance of life and death and violence and torture and nurture and beauty and adorable babies and flowers and horrible atrocities. It's like, yeah. it's like um, divinity is deeply in acceptance of all of it because it's all unfolding. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, honest, like being somebody who wants to be closer to divinity, closer to God, I think so many of us do. Um, what that entails is learning to experience my own life from that divine perspective of really deep embrace, really deep acceptance, really deep, um, (sighs) sort of uh going fully into it and to some people that can sound like oh that you're like that's dissociative or psychotic or disconnected to be at you know so at peace with all of the pain Mm -hmm. but there's this really interesting phenomenon that happens um and they talk about it a lot in tantric buddhism and other sort of things where it's like After a certain point, the like the deeper, the deeper, the deeper you go into the grief of compassion, if you open, 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 open up to that grief completely and all Mm. like feeling so sensitive to all of the suffering that all beings are experiencing, there's a certain point at which that grief has to turn into bliss because you want to relieve that suffering. Mm. And if you're just grieving all the time, that doesn't do anything to make anybody else Mhm. feel better yeah. whereas if you're a beacon ball of bliss you can walk into a room and other people can feel lit up they can feel relieved they can feel oh wow this person has so much you know energy and so much heart and they're so happy and maybe I can tap into that too and it's like um I, so it's sort of like I think of it as um you know mm-hmm. the in the stream of tantric hermeticism that I'm in um, associated with thalema and other stuff. It's called the solar gnosis or the stellar gnosis. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like we become a star, we become a sun. And what's what is a sun? Well, it's this ongoing kind of nuclear reaction that's happening and there's very possibly, at least like some physicists like Nassim Harameen, think that there's a black hole at the center of every star. And that to me sounds like a correct metaphor because it's like there's this black hole of death and vacuum and void and who the whole like deep, <sighs> deep mystery. Mm-hmm. And then whoosh, there's this like um, utter explosion of light, of bliss, of super power that gives energy and growth to everything that it radiates to indiscriminately to sinners and saints, just shines out this bliss this light. and uh, and I think the process, that is the process that all of us humans are on. and and the truth is true. And it gets expressed in various ways through different cultural lenses and different traditions, but it's all leading us to that um, to that gnosis of we are simultaneously the black hole and we are the radiant light. And the black hole and the radiant light do not exist apart from each other. And we're just like constantly grieving, (sighs) constantly dying, constantly tortured, constantly in pain, constantly orgasming, constantly birthing, constantly (laughs) uniting with all that is. And it's, um, you know, that's just what's happening and we can tap into it or not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is um, just
0: such a sort of vivid pictorial representation of this work, like just the most yeah, vivid, vivid image I can imagine mm. to sort of wrap, you know, wrap people's heads around these concepts. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Mm. Um, Well, I do, I I am curious to hear, um, we're sort of, you know, getting towards the, towards the end. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you and what you've been, you know, going through with your leadership and, um, and, you know, sort of your, your personal experience as of late with this work. So, and I want to look at it through the lens of like, I know that you have a vow to liberate all beings from suffering and you hold that as sacred and you have a shadow that loves generating suffering in yourself and others. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Would you be willing to just share um, just about what you've been learning about that recently and uh, yeah, just where you've uh,
1: been and where you've come to with that? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, recently I I did some stuff. I said some stuff that uh, hurt and offended a lot of people, um, caused a big shakeup in all the different online communities that I run. And um, and. I had to get really deep with myself. You know, I teach shadow integration, like obviously like something possessed me to like, I made some points that could have been made in very harmonious, sweet ways. And instead I made Mm -hmm. them in very provocative, sensational kind of ways that were so intense for some people's systems that, you know, triggered all this trauma for them. And Yeah. big, big intensity. So like, why did I do that? What was that about what's going on there? And I had to get super, super honest with myself. And I, I knew this intellectually because I know that, um, for every desire in the conscious mind, there's an equally strong desire in the unconscious mind. So as much as I desire to experience, you know, health and happiness Um, I also have a deep desire to experience death and that's just part of incarnation. I wouldn't be able to be incarnated if I didn't also have an interest in experiencing death. So one of my very strong conscious desires, as you were mentioning, is this, um, vow that I have taken to liberate all beings from suffering the classic bodhisattva vow. So the, the full, the full expression of the vow is, um, beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to exhaust them. Uh, Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to pass through them. The awake way is supreme. I vow to embody it. Hmm. So, um, so fun thing. The vow is a series of paradoxes. So that that is a clue there. <laughs> of um,
0: oh. a bit about
1: yeah, and so looking at the. Um, so like asking myself what, what possessed me to do this in such a way that was so disruptive. And I found that, um, yeah, I have a deep, deep commitment, a deep, deep value. Um, I deeply value suffering in myself and others. I deeply value me feeling guilty and resented and hated and blamed and outcast and like people are so disappointed in me, and they're so disgusted with me. Oh, my God, I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I love people feeling disgusted and disappointed and like, yeah, the suffering, all of the suffering that comes with that, and all of like that. And I just frankly, I super love and I'm super committed to suffering. And I'm just sitting and I'm just working with the reality of that truth that I am mm-hmm. just as probably more definitely more actually, because I definitely generate lots of suffering in myself and others. Yeah. Super committed to, um, endlessly perpetuating suffering in myself and others mm-hmm. and, um, being willing. And so like, ordinarily, when I talk about existential kink, I just talk about recognizing that you have this desire in you And for me to work with this one, I have to recognize that this is my highest priority. I have to take it to that level of saying like, no, this isn't just a desire that exists within me for suffering. Mm -hmm. This is my absolute highest priority. This is more valuable to me than anything else. I am so, so much more interested in creating this than I am in my well-being, in the well-being of my family, in -hmm. the well-being of anybody. This is what my actual investment is. And something that's really powerful for me when I sit with the truth of the depth of that being my ultimate value and my ultimate commitment, um, is that it takes me into the center of that black hole into that, like really intense, like non-dual bliss, death, grief place. Um, and that place has a lot of radioactive atomic power. And I find oh, yeah. that there are things opening and shifting within me um, at a very rapid level and um I've been having, well, I mean, I've been having a a lot of interesting magical experiences with it recently. None none of it really all matters until I'm able to (laughs) fully (laughs) ground it and embody it. Yeah. But um, it's definitely a new journey for me in my embodiment and in, um, in, the, yeah, just in that. And I guess what I also realized is this desire to create suffering in myself and others is just as lovable, just as precious, just as worthy of honor as mm-hmm. the altruistic desire to free all beings from suffering. Like the altruistic yeah. desire literally cannot exist <laughs> in the realm of duality without the simultaneous existence of this opposite commitment. They yeah. are they're entwined. Uh, yeah. Well, th- I mean, thank you so much,
0: um, for, for sharing that. I mean, the thing it, uh, just gets me so present to is what a different world it would be if all leaders in the world owned oh. and acknowledged their shadows, the way that you are.
1: Hmm. <laughs>
0: you know cuz i i have seen you going through it mm-hmm. and you know i shared this before we started recording i've learned so much from you as a as a leader like just being willing to be messy and and say the thing and um and be inside of that and then coming to the other side and saying wow i realize like this is one of my highest commitments <laughs> it's just uh, it lands so deeply in my body because it's honest and true. Mm. So, thank you for modeling that, Carolyn.
1: Mm. Thank you, thank you, Kaylin, for feeling it and being present with it. Yeah, it's um trippy AF and uh, yeah. it, um. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I, I kind of have no other choice. It's just sort of like, yeah, the show that I signed up for with my love lover yeah. reality.
0: <laughs> this is uh, this is this is this path in this life. Wow. <laughs> you really chose in this life a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, um, I want to just have you share, um, with my listeners, um, anything that you have coming up, um, in your communities, um, just things that people should know about to get connected to you
1: and, uh, and your work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so probably the best way for people to be connected with what I'm happening with what I'm happening, (laughs) what I'm doing, (laughs) I'm like, Oh boy, the non-duality starts to really (laughs) get Um, is if you sign up for my email list, you will get lots of fun emails. You'll get the first three chapters of my book for free. Um, That's on my website. So carolyngraceelliot.com and you'll get announcements about all the things that I'm doing. Um, Also, if you follow me on Instagram at Elliott underscore, um, I offer, I open my um, courses periodically to the email list and on Instagram. And um, of course, my main offering these days is Wealth, which I'm so happy that you are in, Kaylin, um, mm-hmm. which is a um, an alchemical community where leaders come into their full power via the hermetic arts. Um, I've decided to only open Wealth once a year. So the next big opening will be in March, 2022. So if you people join my email list, they'll get lots of fun stuff from me and opportunities to join other courses. And they'll also be notified when wealth opens again. And wealth is really incredible. Um, We do a lot of social events. We do a lot of deep, deep things in wealth. Um, I also have an existential kink coach training program called Sovereigns. And that will be happening as kind of both a hybrid in person and online program. And it's been postponed a little bit. So it's going to start in January of 2022. And people can also find out about that by joining the email list. Um, that's going to be super fun. We're going to have in person meetups in Miami. And we're, it's also going to be available online for people, you know, internationally who can't travel, things like that. And, um, It's basically, I like to call it trashy mystery school. I mean, basically everything I do is trashy mystery school. Um, Sovereigns is the most intense version of it. Um, And I also have, um, yeah, I have some more in-person retreats coming up in the summer and the fall that people can learn about. But yeah, Trashy Mystery yeah. School, just the trashy mysteries of love, money, sex, power, death. Oh, I do have one major existential kink tip for your audience. To oh, share, please. Maybe. I'm all. Yes. Um, so all of this stuff can sound very highfalutin and abstract, but really the best instruction you can get for the practice of existential kink, better even than my book, is the 90s movie, The Adams Family. Um, <laughs> if you just watch the Adams family, the way that Morticia handles life, like first of all, I need to point out to everybody that Morticia is the happiest woman ever portrayed in film or in <laughs> books or anything. She has she she has a giant, amazing house that she loves. She's like rich. Super, super rich, just super hot relationship with her husband. She has, her, you know, a great relationship with their children. She's connected to her ancestors. She's honored by her whole community. There is nobody has ever been able to tell me about a depiction of a heroine in film or TV or books who is more happy than Morticia, more fulfilled. OK, so Morticia <sighs> and how does Morticia interact with life? If you just watch the movie and pay attention, How does Morticia respond to everything? That is the essence of existential kink. That's how she saves the day by like deep erotic surrender. And that's what it's all about. So you can learn everything you need to know from that movie.
0: (laughs) Okay, that, that is the best recommendation. Wow, I am going to start using that when I talk about this in the world. Oh, amazing. Um, just for all of my listeners, I, I know Carolyn already said it, you really need to join her email list. Mm-hmm. It has the potential to just completely change your life. Mm-hmm. You said something on an, uh, um, a sales email for Thrill. And it was something like, just commit to doing everything wrong in your business. <laughs> That's the only commit, way. <laughs> commit to just doing everything wrong. And I <laughs> I ended up buying Thrill, right, uh, because of that. Uh, and it was just, my mind was completely blown. Um, but the, but I, I really think even if I hadn't purchased the course, that one nugget from your email has just completely (laughs) shifted the way I'm doing my business this year. Yay. You're doing it all wrong. (laughs) I'm just, I'm literally just doing it all wrong. I'm just fucking things up left and right. I'm just doing things because they just feel great. And then, and they don't make total sense. And, and, uh, I'm having the time of my life. (laughs) So everybody join the email list. All right. Um, any final words, Carolyn? Oh, it's great talking with you. Thank you, Kaylin. Thank you so much for being here. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone in your life. And pop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. I'm so committed to more people custom creating their sex, relationships, and lives from desire. And this podcast is a big part of that. If you have ideas for the show or want to learn more about working with me as a coach, head on over to my Instagram at Kaylin McDuff or my website, kailanmcduff.com. See you next time.